we started a series last week that I'm incredibly psyched out about. It's called Walk the Walk. And it's really, it kind of originates out of the book of James. We're going to have, you know, some other scriptures here and there. But mainly I'm preaching out of the book of James because James just kind of says it how it is. And he has a, a real ability in his letter to address uh, a, a variety of issues, really important issues that face every believer that are critical to us walking out this faith that we profess to. And what we talked a lot about last week is how James says we need to be doers of the word, not hearers only. And if we're hearers only, that we deceive ourselves. And so he, he really goes to make a huge point to say, listen, you know, this faith that we have, this, this grace that we've received by faith from Christ, that there is an outworking of that that is demonstrated in something that we maybe call works or deeds, meaning the life that we're living should be in alignment and it should be a representation of what this word that we receive commands us to do. And it's in that consistency and in that, in that alignment that there's power in our witness and then there's power in our testimony. And a lot of people say, well, yeah, we're, you know, we got grace and we got faith and everything and, and you can't just be all caught up in works. And we're not all caught up in works in the sense that works gets us anything or earns us anything. But we're caught up in works in the fact that works is really an outworking, an evidence of a life that's being changed and transformed by the genuine spirit of God. Because as God gets a hold of us and he begins to change us, then that is evident by the changing outwardly in our lives. And I think about myself, I think about many people that I've walked years with, and I can tell you there is absolutely consistent change, consistent improvement, if you will, in their lives. Do you see they're getting stronger in their faith? The impact that they're making is, is spreading, and the good that they're doing is just it's enriching the lives of other people on this earth and that's what Christianity the move of Christianity is all about changing lives changing the world reaching people for Christ right helping them become all that God has called them to be and James says I didn't hit these scriptures last week but I want to share them he says in chapter 2 he says that in verse 18 he says show me your faith without your works and I will show you my faith by my works I love that because what he's saying is, is if you really have faith, if you really have God in you and working on you, then you will absolutely have something coming out of you in your life that will speak to what's happening on the inside. There's an overflow on the outside to what's happening on the inside. He says, you say, show me your faith without works, but I say, I'll show you my faith by my works. He's, it's kind of like he's saying, you know, faith is how we come to God. It's how we approach him. It's how we receive him. But works is sort of like the evidence that we got there. You know, it's kind of like the, the evidence that something is really happening, that there's change outwardly that's occurring in our lives. He goes on to say in verse 21, when Abraham, our, uh, I'm sorry, verse 22, do you see that faith is working together with works and by works, faith is made perfect. So what he's saying is that really these two things, even though faith is the precursor to the relationship with God it's how we receive it there's nothing about our works that gets us that but faith and works are really like kind of a marriage you know they're inseparable that a life lived in faith is a life where good deeds and good works and a, a life that's a good testimony is coming out of someone 
And I think that, like I spoke about last week, that this is really the hour we find ourselves in as a people of faith, as a nation, is that we have got to, we've got to be the kind of people that are living lives, that are living in a way that is consistent with what the Bible talks about and the convictions that we claim to hold so dear. That there's a lot of damage that's being done kind of in the name of Christianity or in the name of faith. That when you really examine the circumstances and the details, what you see is that the damager is really acting and walking in a way that's not according to what the scriptures command us to do. And that's a, that's a, that's a thing that really bothers me. It really frustrates me. I hope it frustrates you because that is like people are getting sold a false bill of goods. They're not getting the real thing. They're not seeing the real Christianity at work. Now, when God touches people, it's undeniable. It's unmistakable. But how many people know that when we're not saved, when we're lost, when we haven't found God, then we are relying a lot on the lives of the people that have to give us an indication of what we can experience, of what we can expect, and how good things can be. And I love that the younger generation nowadays, the, they say the millennials, right? They're kind of the up-and-coming generation that are just, they're changing everything economically. All businesses and spending habits, I mean, everything is adapting to this new millennial generation. And I love when you read, you find out that one of the main characterizations of the way that millennials think and the way that they look at things is that they're not interested in a bunch of hype. They don't really want to be sold to. They don't want things kind of pushed on them. They're not into the big fancy glam and jam and all that kind of stuff. What they're most interested in their buying behaviors and in their belonging behaviors and everything else, they're most interested in knowing what are you actually doing? Like, what are you doing to make a difference? Like, what are you doing that really is consistent with what you're saying? Now, as many of the challenges as that we may have and that we probably all agree in a lot of cases that we need to get changed with the younger generation that's coming up, I think this is not one of them. The fact that they want to see something real and genuine, that gives me a lot of confidence because I know if I walk out the life that God has died for me to have and I'll stay close to him, that the things that are happening out of my life will be a demonstration that's genuine and that's true to what they can have if they choose to live a life for Christ as well. And so we've kind of built the foundation on our series, Walk the Walk, around this premise that it's about being a doer, not just a hearer of the word only, and that we need to give people a accurate and true representation of what a life lived with Christ is really all about. And so what we're going to do over the next couple of weeks now, number of weeks, is we're going to just start unpacking many of the subject matter that James addresses and deals with in his, in his letter. For example, one of the things he talks about is not being a snob. Did you know that? Did you know that James says you're not supposed to be a snob? It's actually pretty good stuff. Yeah, I don't like snobs either. I know anybody like snobs? No, James, he talks against it. He tells you what it means to be a snob and how not to be one. We're going to get into that pretty soon. He talks about pride. I know nobody here is prideful, but I'm just saying you probably know people that are, so it's a good thing if you show up and hear about it and maybe invite some of them to come too. He talks about greed. He talks about a lot of things that are so critical. It's like 
you got to sometimes, what, what does I say? You got to get back to the fundamentals or whatever, or you got to do the basics, right? It's like these things, sometimes they just kind of get overlooked because we think, oh, yeah, you know, you can't be greedy. Okay, yeah, you can't be prideful. And because sometimes we, we sort of widely accept that, we don't dig in deeper to the details of what the scriptures really say to unlock some of the powerful truths that we really need to be walking out in our daily lives that we might just be missing the mark on a little bit. So we're going to get into this stuff, right? But for today... Can you please stop doing that back there? Seriously, it's like the third week in a row. Today, the subject is anger. So, <laughs> I had you guys. I mean, you could have heard a pen drop right there. <laughs> wow, I wish that we had that on video. That was classic stuff there. You could have heard a pen drop. You guys are like, Everything this dude just said is done. Like, I'm out of here now. I can't believe he's a jerk. Ah. <laughs> Anger, you know, and if you really pay attention to what's going on in the world, you, you see that this Christians, for the most part, when you stand up for your beliefs or when you just have a strong conviction about something, it's kind of like you're being villainized, you know, as being a hater. You're angry. You're a hater and all these, all these other things that just sort of like, that's over. He's a hater, you know. Oh, hater. It's like everything after that is gone. It doesn't mean anything. And on one hand, I say that I think that that's a, that's a load of you know what in a lot of ways because it's just a, it's a cop out most of the time. That's really not what's happening. It's just an easy defense mechanism. But the reality is, is in a lot of cases, Sometimes I see a lot of anger that's being uh, forecasted and being broadcasted out by people who are uh, in the name of Christianity and they're just angry and attacking other people that maybe don't agree with them or that are living differently. And I, I just got to tell you that, that that's not going to get the job done. You know, it's not going to make a difference. I don't know about you, but I have yet to find a time where in a, a rage of anger and a fit of anger and just unleashing on somebody that I really ever get them to actually genuinely see and change their view to my side of the story. It's pretty much never works, right? And so if we realize that, we need to say, okay, anger is definitely not the way that we want to approach this. And James, he says in verse, verses 19 through 20 in chapter 1, he says, So then, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. For the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. I got to remind myself here, okay, my wife was telling me, she's like, you know, that stuff you went through last week, you like just blasted through that stuff like so fast, like it was good, but it was just like really, really fast, you know, so I'm going to try to slow down a little bit and I'm going to try to kind of go through these points systematically and everything, but I'm going to do my best. That's all I can say. All right. I, I tend to get a little bit excited about this stuff. Um, how many people when you were younger ever admittedly messed around, played with gasoline? Throwing gasoline on a fire. Come on. That's right. All right. Right here. Lighter fluid, right? I mean, the fire is going. It's like. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> you know? And you don't really need to do that. But 
for some reason, I mean, sometimes gasoline is helpful to get it going or lighter fluid to get it started. Like we're going to have the barbecue after church today. The guys, I hope they should use lighter fluid on the charcoal. Otherwise, we probably won't be eating this afternoon. But it can be helpful. But whenever it's thrown on in excess and in, in a way beyond what it's supposed to, people get burned, right? I mean, things happen that are not helpful. I mean, I know several occasions where I did that and I literally singed my eyebrows off. Like they were gone. <laughs> You're just like, whoa, and you just, it's a little like the, you know, tips get kind of crusty and stuff, and, but there's really nothing left there. That happened a few times. Arm hair's all gone. And uh, my brother, one time, he actually almost burnt the woods on, he, he caught the woods on fire and almost burned all of the woods. You remember that, Mom? You guys were running down with the hose, just didn't reach far enough with the hose, but somehow we were able to get that thing put out before it caused a huge forest fire they're playing with the gasoline you know they didn't need to add all that extra fuel to the fire anger to me is kind of like that it's things are are happening maybe there's a challenge there's a difficulty there's something that you really you have to go through it you have to deal with it in a right way but when you take anger the wrong kind of anger and you throw it on top of the situation Almost every time somebody gets burned. Most of the time, everybody gets burned, some more than others. Anger just complicates the whole thing. It's like an additive to a situation that could be very beneficial for us and other people, but it's then an additive that kind of makes that thing unpure, unhealthy, and then all of a sudden the outcome gets tainted to what really maybe God is trying to do whenever we, we move in that anger. But, you know, the Bible, when it talks about anger, if, you're, if you don't really understand it, it, you could be a little bit conflicted because it says in places, it says that, you know, anger is, is something that we should have. Uh, we know that there's the wrath of God that the Bible talks about many times, right? Even Paul in Ephesians chapter 4, he said, be angry yet do not sin. Be angry yet do not sin. Keep that in your mind for a minute. See, I'm pausing. I'm going through the, right? I'm taking time. He said, be angry, do not sin. And then he said, lest, uh, the sun, don't let the sun go down on your wrath, lest the devil get a foothold in your life, lest the enemy get a foothold in your life. And so what he's saying is, is if we do let anger overrun itself in us, if we do let it go to the point where it kind of has its way in us, that we can actually open ourselves up to all kinds of unhealthy, ungodly kinds of things in our lives and unfavorable outcomes in what we want. So there's, there's the wrath of man, but there's the wrath of God. And that's what you have to understand is the differences between the two. Now, the wrath of God, listen, that's like a righteous kind of anger, right? That is the kind of anger that it doesn't like evil. It doesn't like to see evil prevail. It doesn't like to see evil have its way in people's lives. There's the wrath of God, which is a righteous kind of anger. I'm going to be dead straight with you. When I found out about what happened to those four Marines this week, I was angry, man. I was angry. And I think, as I'm saying to you, I can say this because I believe this, that it was the righteous kind of anger. I'm not wanting to go out and inflict that same kind of uh, pain on someone else. I don't want to just go out and start, you know, putting people to death because of what happened. But I, I, I'm angry about what happened because that's evil and, and, and that shouldn't have happened, right? And, and many times things occur where we see those situations and we there is this anger that kind of gets in us and it's a righteous kind of anger. See, it's impossible to love, genuinely love and not get angry. 
Because when you love, just like God loves, when evil starts to have its way or starts to come against the things and those that we love, there should be an anger that comes up. But where we have to really be careful that we walk this thing out properly is we have to make sure that that wrath of God or that, that, that healthy, righteous anger doesn't turn over or spill over into what the Bible calls the wrath of man or anger of man, which is now it's all about our flesh and our emotions, and it's not about a righteous kind of thing that's rising up on the inside of us. A good litmus test that you can do is if you're angry in a way that you want to see revenge or you want to inflict pain or you're just you're mad because something happened to you that was unfortunate or inconvenienced you, and now you're, you're moving forward in anger, those are things that can tell you that now it's starting to become an anger of the flesh, which is what Paul was saying, if you be angry but do not sin, where he's saying, you know, there's this righteous anger, but then there's this wrath of man that kind of can carry over, spill over, and now all of a sudden you can kind of get into a place where it's sinful. So the, when you look at that anger in the Bible, it talks about it's like this swelling up from the inside. It's like this rising. You all seen the geysers, right, like old faithful that just starts spewing up in the in the sky there's all that pressure that kind of builds and then in a moment of time where there's just nowhere else for it to go it just explodes and releases out of the earth how many people remember the cartoon donald duck right mickey mouse donald duck donald was like hilarious like his you could see he's fighting it off every time it's inevitable i mean you know he's going to cave and he's just going to go ballistic right but he's, 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 he's all of a sudden the red starts kind of going up his face up his head it's like start smoke starts shooting out his ears and he starts going nuts and he's just like breaking walls and screaming and yelling and then and then two three seconds later the damage is done it's over and, and, and anger, the way the Bible talks about it, that's a pretty good picture to me because that's what it does. It kind of like, it starts out in a place where we could, we could probably get a hold of this thing. We could have control over this thing, but it can really build and swell up so fast that all of a sudden it gets to a point where it's got nowhere else to go and we just explode. We just let it out. And it just comes out and it just burns people, it burns us, and it changes the entire dynamic of a situation that could have potentially been a very healthy uh, thing for us or the people that we're going through it with. So we really have to understand the difference between the wrath of God and the wrath of man. And when we're moving in anger, when we're given in to that anger, we're kind of given over to it, if you will, the, the flesh is now having control it creates all sorts of problems <laughs> because, first of all, what it does, getting to the whole theme of the series of Walk the Walk, is it kind of just discredits your, your witness. I mean, you could be saying things that are really true and really right. You may even be quoting scripture. I've seen people do this, actually, quote scripture in anger. It's not good. It, I mean, it doesn't do good. It's crazy. But you could be doing the right thing, but in anger, and it just taints the entire thing. It discredits your, your witness and what you're saying. What you're saying could be exactly true, but it doesn't make any difference anymore. Because what's really important is that the person receives what's being said. And, and the anger is what basically kind of blocks that whole thing from happening. It's like me sitting here trying to tell you that Smith & Wesson makes the best gun in the entire world. But I wear a Browning t-shirt. Right? I mean, you're like, wait a minute, dude. You, you're wearing the shirt. You're saying this. It's not lining up. 
And, and it basically just changes the credibility of what I'm saying. When I'm sitting here trying to get people to live right, I'm trying to say things that are they're wrong and this, but I'm just angry and I'm mad and I'm upset. All of what I'm saying is fruitless because anger has tainted the package that it's coming in and I've just basically lost complete control. Not only does it discredit and, and hurt our witness and our testimony, but you know what else it does? Is it just, it kind of robs us of any joy and happiness that we might have. You can't be angry and mad in the, 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 the anger of man kind of way and be happy and joyful at the same time. They, they can't coexist. So whenever we're in anger, we're basically robbing ourselves of the joy that's to be had in the moments that James says in the beginning of his scriptures that we're to find joy in everything. But when we're moving in anger to the point of like wrath and sin of man, then it's actually robbing us of the joy that could be had in those moments. And then flat out, just bottom line, it makes other people miserable to be around us, doesn't it? I mean, who wants to be around a person that's a grouch all the time and is just angry and mad about everything that happens? Nobody does. It just, it just wreaks havoc and makes a mess of everything. So what does James say? say okay, pastor, let, let's, let's address how we can really handle this and deal with this. Oh, by the way, anger also leads to a lot of physical problems too. High blood pressure, right? And I mean, it's just, it's just like a domino effect. I mean, things just kind of keep piling up. If anger stays, there's just more and more difficult physical problems that continue to happen for people where they got high blood pressure. They're just, you know, their face is always red. They're just, it's not good. I want to give you just a quick demonstration. Let, can Chuck, can you come up here? And then, Naomi, why don't you come up here too, just for a second. And I want to show you something. I think this will kind of give you a decent picture. We'll see. So, if you were to say, you take big Chuck, right? Intimidating Chuck. And then you take nice little Naomi here. You say, this guy... I don't want to be around this guy when he gets angry, right? I, don't look at me like that. It scared me. I mean, you, you say, this guy, this guy could probably really do some damage if he got angry. But then you say, little Naomi is nice. And it's like, oh, you know, I can't even imagine her getting mad. I can't even imagine that. I can't. But did you know that with what we're talking about, this swelling up kind of anger, that none of us are... Uh, immune to this. Someone like Naomi could actually struggle more with anger than what a guy like Chuck could. That that's possible. That anger could actually rise up to where the, the smallest, most unsuspecting person is struggling with it in such a way where they're just spitting fire all the time and their, their life is being uh, just unraveled and attacked by these rage fits of anger at any given moment at any given time. So we've got to get it in our heads where it's like we, anger isn't something that just attaches itself or just challenges certain kinds of stereotypes of people. You guys can go ahead and sit down. Thanks for coming up here. Chuck, don't get mad at me, buddy. Appreciate that. James says, he says, be swift to hear, be slow to speak, and be slow to anger. Now let's break that down because when he says be swift to hear, that's really important because when you start, when, when anger starts to get control and it's just like, man, you're about ready to blow, right? When that starts to happen, hearing the voice of God becomes very difficult in that time. If anger is on the rise and swelling inside of us. 
And he's saying be swift to hear, and I really believe that the main thing he's trying to say is you need to make sure in those moments especially where this fit of rage is about ready to rise up that you are listening very attentively to hear the voice of God in that situation. We know that it means to make sure we're listening to other people to get the real story to make sure that we're not missing details, right? Because sometimes we could just unleash or get all upset on something only to find out after the fact that what we got upset about really wasn't true. Don't we all feel stupid about, have you ever been in that place? We're like, oh gosh, wish I could take that, you know, 10 minutes back, but it happened. But we have to be swift to hear, meaning before we just pr project out what's coming up on the inside of us, we need to allow ourselves to listen. We need to listen to others to make sure the situation that we're surveying really is what it is and what it seems to be. But we also need to be swift to hear in the fact that it's in those moments. Look, God is very concerned with you airing off course, and he doesn't want you to drift the wrong way. It's your free will to choose that. But if you're listening in your moments of temptation and need, I believe that the voice of God will be readily available so that we can hear it if we're just listening attentively. Right? We want to be swift to hear. But he says be slow to speak also. Now, of course, I think we know that this means we need to make sure we're not just shouting out words and just speaking things out because once they're out there, we can't take them back and the damage can already be done once we let them go. And before we say something, we need to make sure that we mean it. Right? James says a little later, we may get to this more in depth. He says, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And so he's saying, listen, when you say it, man, you better mean it. Make sure what's coming out of your mouth really lines up with what you believe and what you know to be true on the inside. So we need to make sure before we're speaking and we're just projecting these things out there that we're not just letting them go carelessly and frivolously. But I believe there's another thing that he means by this when he says be slow to speak. I think what he's saying also is that you need to make sure you're very careful with the things you start telling yourself, with the things you start saying to yourself. Here comes the gasoline. You see a situation, ticks you off, presses your button. Now, if you're like me, because I struggle with this stuff, you start saying things like almost immediately, maybe to your wife, that's somehow how it happens to me, um, but probably to yourself too. I can't believe this. I can't believe they did that. That's just no, that, that no good person. And you just, that's not right. You know, they shouldn't have did that. I can't believe this is happening. Oh, great. This is just another thing. And I mean, you take 30 seconds and all of a sudden it's like, now, all of a sudden, my anger is elevated to a point where it's going to be hard to back it back down. You know what I'm saying? And so he's saying be slow to hear or swift to hear, but he's saying be slow to speak in the sense that we don't want to just start yelling and shouting or saying things in a situation that may not necessarily help matters, but we need to also be very careful about the things we start saying to ourselves, outwardly or inwardly in our head, self-talk, period, because all we do is complicate things more. If we tell our, how many people know, if you tell yourself something, you know it's true. <laughs> if you tell yourself that, it's true. You just accept it. That's part of the way your subconscious works. You just, you don't identify with conflict there. It just, you say it, it's true, and you just go on and you believe that. Well, if you say a whole bunch of things that are just inciting more anger, and you just pile that on top of whatever else just happened, all that does is elevate the situation drastically in a very short matter of time. And how many people know the way compression works? You press something together in a short little space, condense it, and then you get an explosion. And I mean, when we start boom, 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 so quickly with our words and so quickly to just kind of condemn the situation or all the things that are going on, 
all we do is just press all that together and it's just like anger is, is rising and ready to just have its way unleash and be let out. One of the things that we can try doing is we can try laughing. I know this seems a little crazy, but like one of the things that gets me, I'll be getting ready and anytime I'm in a hurry, it seems like more things go wrong. I mean, I spill coffee on my shirt, or I drop and break something, I knock a kid over, they start crying. I mean, it's like, the more hurry I'm in, the, the worse it actually gets, right? And it's like every little thing is, is challenging and tempting me to just blow up, just let it out, just get angry, you know? And, and when those things are happening, my wife, she's really good about, like, I'll do something, and then she'll just be like... <laughs> And she'll just start laughing. Now, honestly, she's not here, so I'll tell her this. At first, it really takes me off. <laughs> Woo, it's kind of, it's almost like the needle flips really high, really fast. She starts laughing, you know. Oh, you spilled that on your shirt. You just need to slow down. But you know, whenever I stop and I think about it, it really is funny. And if, if I just laugh, if I can get myself to laugh, there's something about the joy of laughter that is like an antidote for anger, the anger of man, that is. It just, it's like, it just, it just sort of pushes it down. It diffuses it. It just kind of takes away some of that tension that you've allowed to build in that situation. We just, we need to try laughing a little bit sometimes whenever things aren't going our way. Just step back and think about how really unimportant the things that we're getting angry about actually might be in, in the scope of the bigger picture right? And the last thing he says there, he says, be slow to anger, slow to anger. So let's, I find this incredibly interesting because if you look back into the book of Exodus, I'm not going to go there, but when Moses was redoing the, ta the uh, tablets for the Ten Commandments, the Bible says, this is in chapter 34, if you want to look it up, it says that God showed himself to Moses and he declared some things to Moses about himself. And one of the things that he described himself as was slow to anger. Very interesting. That God actually in his character, and in his being, although we know that there is the wrath of God, that he describes himself as slow to anger. He actually gives us the pattern that we should go by. He actually gives us the, the way to walk this out because if that's God's nature and his character then God's living in us and it's inherent that we walk true and according to the things that are the nature of God, right? So when he's saying be slow to wrath, he's saying, listen, the wrath of God, it's there. It's, it's righteous anger, but it doesn't just boom, like fly out, explode and just erupt in a moment or in an instant. God is merciful and he is long-suffering. So his anger, although there is anger towards evil, that it's not one that just progresses and develops and just spurs out fast, quick, and irrationally. There's a wisdom to it. There's a development to it. And because it's allowed to develop slowly, then it's actually exercised properly. It's actually carried out right. I can be angry about the evil that's happening in the world, and then I can allow it to, to, to develop slowly to the point where I actually go out and do something constructive to make a difference, not scream and yell and holler at all the people that are doing that and make it worse. Does that make sense? So he's saying that God is, we need to be slow to anger, but that's the way God described him himself in Exodus whenever he was declaring himself to Moses. And if we allow it to develop slowly, get this, okay, we could be right in the middle of something that God is doing, right in the, the path 
of, of the steps that God has preordained that we walk in, just moving right in line with his purpose for our lives. And then all of a sudden, at some moment, anger could just blow up and it can just spin us right out of control, right off course. Anybody ever play Mario Kart? Mario Kart? I hope a lot of people did. That was a good one. You remember like you shoot the turtle thing and it hits the guy and he goes, Brrr! he goes flying right off the court. He's right on, everybody's on the track and then you hit him and he just starts, dude, he's, he's just off the reservation. That's kind of how anger happens sometimes. It does. It's like we could be moving along and then all of a sudden just blow up and flip out and then just totally take us way out of the picture and out of the place that we were in where God was really trying to do something and he was up to something good with us. And because we gave in to anger and let the wrath of man just have its way and the flesh ruled the spirit, all of a sudden it's just like we got blown right off the course. And, and mind you, we could get back on the course, right? Remember the guy just come, comes back in? We could get back on the course when we repent, we get right, and we kind of just revive. But here's the thing. When it comes to relationships and it comes to the people we're walking with, damage is done. People are burned, and although they heal, there's still going to be scars. And we better realize how important it is that we understand what anger can do because it will cause us to be hopefully a lot more uh, intentional about the way we uh, say we're not going to let this thing have its way with us. I remember one time, <clears throat> oh, this will be my last story. I was on a job site. We were running this... Uh, running this job at this major concrete plant. And I was a foreman running a, a pretty large crew, guys. It was a very high-stress environment, very high-stress. The safety requirements, Mike, for, I mean, it's like these guys were like safety Nazis. It was like two safety guys for one worker. It was like every time you turned around, you're tripping over a safety guy. That's a safety issue in itself, you know. But it was just so stressful because it just kept you from working, kept you from getting your job done. And I was there for like six, seven, eight months, and I saw a lot of guys that just, they lost it. They couldn't do it. They buckled under the pressure. And I was, I mean, I was feeling good that I was managing this well in this kind of a situation. We were getting things done. Even though it was hard, we were still managing to somehow be productive. And I was excited. Everything was going well. And then one day, just a normal morning, I get out to the job site, and there's all these red flags all over our scaffold. They're telling us that we can't work. And there's nobody around to talk to me about what's going on. So I'm like, okay, well, and I, I'm, I'm looking at it. There's, I don't see anything that's unsafe. Like, I've, we've built scaffold for years. These guys never build scaffolds. So it just, I'm like, well, we're going to just go ahead and go to work until they get here. So then all of a sudden, here comes the safety guys, two of them. They come down on the job site, and then the guy just starts yelling at me. And I'm just like, dude, you know, I'm getting, like, I'm on, on edge at this point. And he just starts yelling, and he's like, you should never have went to work here. You shouldn't have did this, you know. And I'm like, there's nothing wrong with the scaffold. And he's like, doesn't matter. There was red tags. You shouldn't have did this. And I was like, you know, I was like, you need to be here to tell me what's going on. I started anyway. He took his clipboard and he like threw it down in front of my face, like right on the ground, smash it. And it was like <laughs> Donald Duck, man. I mean, <laughs> boom, it was over. I mean, I pulled out my knife, not for him. I, <laughs> I, I pulled out my knife and I just started cutting all the tags off the scaffold. I just started cutting them all. And I went and I threw them down in front of him. And I said a lot of things I shouldn't have said. This was years ago. <laughs> I'm your pastor. Remember that. Uh, and 
And then, and then they were just kind of like, they walked away. And for a moment, I was like, all right, okay, you know. I steamrolled them, right? Anger, right? I got them. I finally, I wasn't going to let in. And like 10 minutes later, all of a sudden, this whole crew of people come down. They're like, yeah, security's here. You're out of here for good. You're never coming back. <laughs> and that was it. I was out of there. There was no coming back. I had went so long doing things, what I considered so well, managing myself so well. And all of a sudden, in just a moment and in an instant where I wasn't on my game, where I wasn't really walking the walk, you know, it was like it just totally ruined the rest of that situation that I could have done a whole lot of good. We were on that job for probably another year after that, and I couldn't go back one day, not one time. I, I think they still don't want me in there, actually, to tell you the truth, but that's okay. But my point is, is you could really be moving in the right direction, and, and that's great, but I just, I, I, I caution you to listen to me. This is something that can sneak up and get a hold of the best of us at any moment at any time. And it will wreak havoc in your life. And if you allow it to, there will even become like a, a pattern that will attach itself or build itself in your life. Where it's like a pattern of anger. Where if you just kind of keep dealing with things that way and then you don't deal with the anger it can all of a sudden become, like I was saying, what you tell yourself is true. It can just become a form of your belief system, your reality of how you deal with things. And then all of a sudden you got people, this is why you see where the littlest things happen and they just blow up all the time. Because they don't know how else to be. Anger is all of a sudden the natural response to uncomfortable, difficult, inconvenient situations. And that's not the way we're supposed to live. That's not the way we're supposed to walk. But it'll get a hold of us like that. It'll get a hold of anybody if it, if it is allowed to. And the last thing I say, James says this at the end of his verse. Oh, man. He says that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. You see the difference? The wrath of God He's God. If it's righteous, it's right. But the wrath of man, when allowed to have its way, the sinful part, the fleshly part, that the, the purpose of God for us in our life will never be realized in moments where anger is running rampant. The wrath of man will never produce the righteousness of God take you to a story as we close. Moses, Numbers chapter 20. They're in the desert. People are whining, complaining. They got no food. They got no water. I don't like whiners either, but Moses is just, he's like, ah, had enough. You know, we just parted the Red Sea. We've seen all these things. And they go, him and Aaron, they go and they pray to God. And God says, all right, you know, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go out and I want you to talk to the people. I want you to speak to them and then this, this water is going to start coming out of this rock and there's going to be water for the people. Now God had a reason to be angry with the people. The way they were not trusting him. The way they were accusing him of not providing when he is the provider. Jehovah Jireh. But he didn't. He provided a solution. He was merciful. He was long suffering. But you know what Moses did? Moses made probably the most critical mistake that he ever made in his whole walk. When he went out there to tell the people, really what was good news, God had provided water, he provided a way. 
He was gonna, Moses was going to speak, and then the water was going to come out of the rock. Moses took his staff, the same staff that God told him was in his hand that he could go do good with. He took his staff, and he went out, and he said, You rebels! You've complained, you've been whining. I'm paraphrasing. He said, as sure as I do, and he takes his staff, and he, wham, strikes the rock, and then water comes out. God is always faithful, you know? And he, he, he brought that water out of that rock. But Moses, Moses lost it. And he gave in to anger. And he treated the people with anger. And the wrath of man was having its way over what could have been the wrath of God. And when he struck that rock and that water still came out, God said to him afterwards, he said, Moses, he said, because of what you've done today, you're not going to see the promised land. You know, Moses didn't make it to the promised land, right? You know, that's why he didn't make it. He went up and died on the mountain before they crossed over the Jordan and into the promised land where Joshua led him forth. But Moses was not allowed to go forth because of that fit of rage that one day that he had where he smashed that rock. Greater is the responsibility to those who lead. Greater is the call to those who have influence in our land. And I just believe that that's a part of the message that God is trying to demonstrate to us today. People are watching those who declare the name of Christ. They're looking for a reason not to believe, not to follow. They're looking for a reason to discredit. Let's not give it to them. Let's not give it to them. Let's walk the walk, the life that we know is the life that takes away all of those things that people can say. The life that demonstrates the joy and the happiness that's unattainable anywhere else, that when you taste it, when you touch it, you got to have it and nothing else will do. When people get the real thing, the fake, the phony, nothing else will satisfy. They'll never be able to go back to the thing that isn't genuine and get anything out.